0: Block TALK RADIO
1: Hey everybody, this is Tristan Nunez, driver of the Seven Zero Skyactive Skyactiv Mazda prototype, and you're listening to Thursday Night Thunder on the Speedway Digest radio network. Hello and welcome to the December 3rd edition of Speedway Digest, Thursday Night Thunder, is the most hardcore motorsports program on the internet. This is episode 199 of the series. Tonight we will be reviewing one of the strangest years ever, 2020. We'll be touching on some important motorsports news, celebrating the year that was, and preparing for whatever challenges and changes 2021 will bring. Who would have guessed that nearly five and a half years ago, today we'd be here, perhaps a final time on Blog Talk Radio. I've stated that a few times recently. I'll go over that again at the end of the program. Talking about a pandemic, YouTube, and other podcasts. Definitely not me. It's been a fun ride, and I look forward to whatever is to come. With that... NASCAR this week announced the 2021 schedule for the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series. The schedule is highlighted by trips to traditional and new tracks alike. We like a new battle in the dirt at an iconic NASCAR track and a second dirt contest in the storage at a brand new venue.
2: The NASCAR Camping World Truck Series First Dirt Affair will take place at Bristol Motor Speedway March 27th, joining the NASCAR Cup Series for an action-packed weekend on the short track's return to dirt. Then on July 9th, trucks will roll into Knoxville Raceway for what will be a highly anticipated contest on one of the most storied tracks in the country. Located in Knoxville, Iowa, Knoxville Raceway hosted its first race in 1901, but it's best known for a long, rich history of sprint car races. When the Camping World Truck Series hits the dirt surface in the Hawkeye State, it will mark the first time a NASCAR National Series has competed
1: at Knoxville. The Kemper World Truck Series will kick off 16 National Series Triple Header Weekends in 2021, including at the Circuit of the Americas on May 22nd and Nashville Superspeedway on June 18th. In addition, the Kemper World Truck Series will return to 10 favorite Washington Center for the first time since the year 2000 on August 7th.
2: The series will also share the stage with the NASPAR Cup Series on Saturday, June 26th in Pocono, as all three national series take part in the NASPAR Cup Series doubleheader weekend at the Tricky Triangle. As was originally scheduled in 2020 prior to the pandemic, Worldwide Technology Raceway at Gateway will return to host the start of the playoffs August 20th. Two historic short tracks will determine which drivers continue their playoffs to run as Bristol Motor Speedway September 16th trims the field to 8th and Martinsville Speedway October 30th, decides which four drivers, drivers will race for a championship at Phoenix Phoenix Raceway November 5th. Broadcast times and networks for all three national series will be announced at a later date.
1: The 2021 NASCAR Emerald Series schedule is as follows. It ends on Friday, February 12th at the New York National Speedway. Continuing the following week, Friday, February 19th, at Homestead, Miami Speedway. Then the series heads out west on Friday, March 5th, in Las Vegas. Returns back east Saturday, March eighth, at the Atlanta Mars Speedway. Saturday, March 27th, they head to the Dirt Track in Bristol. Saturday, April 17th, they go to Richmond, Virginia. Saturday, May 1st, they go back out west again, out to Kansas. Friday, May 7th, they head to the Historic Racetrack in Darlington. Saturday, May 22nd, they down south to Texas to the Circuit of the Americas. Friday, May 28th, they're going back out, back to East, to Charlotte Mars Speedway. Saturday, June 12th, back to Texas, at Texas Mars Speedway. Friday, June 18th, at Nashville Super Speedway. Scheduled. Saturday, June 26th, Pocono Raceway. Friday, July 9th, they'll head to the Knoxville Raceway for the their inaugural race there. Saturday, August 7th, they're going back to Watkins Glen. Friday, August 20th, the Gateway International Raceway, just outside of St. Louis, Missouri. Sunday, September 5th, they go to Canadian Tower of Park. I'm kind of iffy about that right now. I don't know if they'll actually be able to go there. The order is kind of iffy about that. And I'm sure that the others if so as well. Thursday, September sixteenth, they'll be back at Bristol. Friday, September twenty fourth, they'll be going to Las Vegas. Saturday, October seventh, they'll be going to Talladega. Saturday, October thirtieth, the day for Halloween, they'll be in Martinsville. And Friday, November fifth, they'll end their series, their season at Phoenix.
2: Our first guest this evening is tim Despain. tim is the host of the pit shop or sorry the pit stop one of the other shows on the speedway digest radio network he and his wife suzanne live in one of the other meccas of mo- modern auto racing caledega and attend a number of each races a number of races each year tonight we're going to find out his opinion of how nascar handled the pandemic how he feels about the season as a whole and what his plans are for 2021
1: Tim got a little confused earlier this evening and called into the program about 45 minutes early. He is in a different time zone, of course, out there in Talladega, Alabama, and has been a while since he's been on the air. His show did start at 7 p.m. his local time. I'm not sure if he got a little off on that, but we'll find out, and he should be calling in within the next five minutes. While we're standing by for him, let's go ahead and listen to 99 Speedway from Ron (laughs) Postana.
2: This is Kristen Kenny from Red Bull Global Rallycross, and you're
1: listening to Thursday Night Thunder on the Speedway Digest Radio Network. We're still standing by for Jim Desvain to call into the program. We have just sent him a message to remind him of the time, and hopefully he's on here in a few moments. While we're standing by, let's go ahead and, and talk a little bit about the, the future of the program, as I alluded for the past few weeks. Uh, this will probably be the last episode here on Blog Talk Radio. Uh, next year we'll be going to a different a different online website to do the weekly program it'll probably still be at the same time probably still be the same format about the same about an hour long most of the time and it'll still discuss racing news with an occasional guest outside the work committee we're hoping to resume the show sometime early february of 2021 that is our current plan again that could change depending on the on the nature of the global pandemic and all that other happy stuff there. But we are planning on resuming in early February. Now, as I as I stated, I am not sure yet as to which online platform we are going back to starting in 2021. There are a lot of options out there, and some of them are, are really, really highly rated. Others of them probably get a little bit of a bad rap, but they're pretty good sites nonetheless. Now, I will let you know which site we're going to be on on the Facebook page at the uh, Thursday Night Thunder. That's Facebook.com slash S-D-Thursday Night Thunder. I'll probably also mention it on SpeedwayDigest.com in the racing news section, as well as mention it on my my personal blog, the Four Four Plum's Fantastic Finds, and I'll put it on Twitter and all the other stuff like that, Facebook and all that. As soon as I know, you will know. Hopefully, it'll be a good, a good platform. It'll be a good fit for us. Radio has been very good for us the past five years. It's had its share of gremlins and other sorts of fun stuff, and pretty, pretty good. Um, and if you're interested and you have a lot of time in, your, in the next few months, which some of you probably do the the uh, lockdown procedures and all that, depending on where you are, go ahead and listen to all other 199 episodes of the Speedway Diet Fest Thursday Night Thunder, including this one on blogtalkradio.com slash radio All of them are, are available there. Some of them are relatively short. I do have a couple that probably skipped because we had some technical issues here and there. But hopefully it all comes together and you can listen to it. I think most of the most of the, uh, most the the episodes do have a full description. They at least list who was on the program. Um, we've had an amazing variety of, of people on the show. Up to this episode, um, and including this episode as well. Um, We've had people from all different aspects of of motorsports, including Formula E. A while ago, we had a full team for the Delta Wing on the program one time. That was awesome. I talked to all different people at the same time, which was really, really funky. We're all in the same line. It was was kind of fun. But we've gotten to talk to people from Formula One a couple of times. We've gotten to talk to people from ARCA a lot. And I thank all the people here from Speedway Digest for saying all uh, up, including to Spain, as well as the, uh, the Rowdy Maglite, who once had the show here on the Speedway Digest radio network. That's kind of awesome, too. And we're going to go ahead and give, a short, give him a couple more minutes here to call in. And I was just informed that our next guest is standing by, right time for way too long here, (laughs) but let's go ahead and give him a couple more minutes. And with that, let's go ahead and listen to another selection from Ron Fasana and the pit crew really quick. Let's listen
3: to Full Full throttle. Throttle.
1: Jack Baldwin from GT Sport Racing, and you're listening to Thursday Night Thunder. It appears that Tim's had some issues going on this evening, so unfortunately, he won't be joining us. If he does, he might be joining us a little bit later in the program. We'll see how that goes. We'd like to thank him for his offer of coming on the show tonight. We know he's got a lot of stuff going on, and we we'll can hardly wait to listen to his new show in 2021. He posted a little bit about that on Facebook, and we'll go ahead and post more information about that as it becomes available. That will also be posted on the Speedway Digest, Thursday Night Thunder Facebook page, as well as the and other aspects of social media. Our next guest for this evening is Kyle. For more than five years, Kyle, along with his wife, Mary, and daughter, Jessie, have documented their love of theme parks, auto racing, hard attractions, concerts, food, and travel with the world through their YouTube channel, View from the Cheap Seats. Kyle also shared his knowledge of hard attractions through his podcast, The Four Hauntsmen. With COVID-19, his channel has changed and adapted, bringing viewers along for the journey. The we're pleased to welcome him to the program. we tried to have him on here for a little while, and tonight everything seems to have aligned perfectly. So let's go ahead and welcome him to the show. Hey, everybody. So how are you doing this evening?
3: I'm doing great. Sorry about your first guest not showing up, but you get the booby prize here, I think.
1: <laughs> there we go. First off, how did you, you decide to first get involved in YouTube?
3: So uh, my daughter was... Uh, a a wee teenager at the time uh, that we started the channel going back uh, just about six years ago now. And uh, we had attended a convention in Orlando uh, called playlist live, which is geared towards uh, YouTube and kind of after being there uh, for a a day or two and seeing the, you know, quote unquote celebrities attending, I said, you know, we could do this. Um, We do kind of cool stuff. I think we're like the cool parents, I think at that time. Um, but just uh, didn't necessarily agree and kind of threw down the challenge and, you know, like who would want to watch uh, old people or family. And, uh, you know, we kind of just hit the ground and it was initially a thing of kind of disproving uh, that, that anyone could do this. If you've got a phone, if you got a camera, if you know, any, any other type of equipment, and we documented the things that we were doing and it's kind of been like uh, public home movies and taking people along for the ride. And it, it's been a great experience. Uh, being able to share things with folks.
1: Of all the places you've been with the channel, which is your favorite
3: and why? Uh, I think probably the uh, one of our favorite trips was when we, uh, we hit New York city a couple of years ago, we had relocated initially to Orlando from New York in 2003. Uh, so going back at that point with Jess, when she was old enough, um, you know, it kind of felt like a victory lap uh, and trip down Uh, memory lane since we'd been away for so long, um, you know, so the only time that I had been back to the city prior to that was really just kind of day uh, job-related trips, like where you're you're actually just working and unable to enjoy things, so it was great to do things uh, and see neighborhoods from both myself, I grew up in Queens, New York, and uh, Mary grew up in Brooklyn, and we originally, when Jess was a little kid, we lived in Staten Island, so it was great to be able to go back to all those areas and kind of relive things and see Jess's uh the to the way uh New York is compared to, you know, what I think people's perception is. I know you're a big
1: race fan. We've seen you uh, run into a few times off the track there in New Smyrna. I got a chance to with you for a while at the uh, Daytona National Speedway this year. Um, how do you feel about yep. Jimmy Johnson deciding to compete in IndyCar 2021?
3: In yeah, it's kind of pulling at my heartstrings, right? I think, uh, you know, I, I make it pretty well known that I, Jimmy is, uh, in my opinion, the goat. Uh, you know, I've caught a lot of flack for following Jimmy. I think over the years, I I mean, I, I, I don't think there's anyone better, especially when he was teamed with uh, Chad. Um, but I, I I don't think it's necessarily going to be an easy transition to Indy. I I think uh, you know we'll get a taste of him driving outside of NASCAR again shortly, right in the Rolex, because I think he's supposed to. Mm-hmm. Uh, where well, the rumor, I guess, was he'll be out there with Chase um, you know, in a couple of months. And he's done that a few times already. Um, I'm sure he won't be the worst in indie, uh car driving, but I I kind of almost feel like it's Michael Jordan uh, going for, to baseball after he retired from uh, basketball, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I'd like to, to see him dominate, but I think it's going to be interesting out there. I, I, it certainly piqued my interest where I want to be able to get out to a race.
1: I mentioned online um, a lot lately that uh, you think the pandemic has diminished some of the magic of the theme parks, especially Walt Disney World. That said, in your opinion, which park is doing the best job of providing a balance of fun and safety in our current COVID nineteen
3: yeah Yes, so I, I think this is this is really a, a, a tough question, right? Because I think health and safety has really become more. Um, political than uh, safety you know, or, or health geared lately, I think. Um, but so mm-hmm. I, I would say kind of like first and foremost, I don't think that any park necessarily is safe right now. Um, I think the parks do a good job at the illusion of safety, but, you know, being real, uh, you know, huge crowds of people, especially they've just recently increased the capacity at the, at some of the parks, um, you know, especially with people touching common things and being bunched up again, together, together without, um, you know, a high enough level of cleaning, I think it's, it's not safe. But that said, uh, with regard to Disney and, you know, what I've said in the past about, like, some of the magic is gone, um, the, the rides were always 50% of the fun, I think, for us as a family, especially, you know, for me. And I think the other 50% is character meets and shows and things like that. And, you know, Disney's not offering that now. And, in fact, they've let a lot of their entertainment staff go. Um, meanwhile, Universal... Has kind of really been creative with keeping character meets going. They have uh, mini shows and even some larger shows with spacing of guests. So you know, if I had to say which is doing the best, doing the you know the, the balance, um, you know situation with what it is, um, I have to say Universal is probably the better bet at this point. In the Pastor Channel
1: has provided more than a share of concert coverage. How and when do you think the live music industry will be able to return to the, at least some semblance of normal, whenever that may be?
3: Yeah, so, so I think this is, this is another tough question. You know, it, interestingly enough, I think Ticketmaster Live Nation floated out there recently that they would put a policy in place um, that you need to show proof of immunization or a clear COVID test in order to attend uh, a show. And when that was published, the Internet went crazy You know, with this backlash of like, if I need to do that, then I'm not going to go to a show. Um, you know, and you know, it's the whole public backlash on you know where where, do, where does trust lie these days? Um, I think since that time, Ticketmaster tried to really uh, walk that statement back. Uh, but honestly, unless people can feel safe, or there's some guarantee that artists or guests feel safe, you know, because you have to consider the artist's uh, well-being as well, um, you know, and insurance for the promoters, et cetera, You know, we we wouldn't have a normalcy in the com- concert industry. I'd say, you know, long term, I think by maybe mid to, you know, third quarter, you know, maybe mid-year next year or third quarter next year, we'll have some type of, of plan to move forward with concerts um, where they'd be able to tie it into ensuring that guests can be safe. Um, I, you know, unfortunately, honestly, actually, you know, some venues artists artists right now are playing shows in packed clubs, um, and it goes mm-hmm. kind of beyond being safe. I've seen... Um, There's a country bar down in Tampa that I've seen my friends go to on social media that um, it's a packed house, you know, no distancing, no masks, et cetera. And there's bands in Orlando. Like um, we love Ace Cafe, um, but Ace Cafe is hosting bands uh, coming up with, um, you know, general admission shows and people are going to be packed in. And it's difficult to kind of see that because I understand there's a balance between, uh, people needing to make money, you know, especially as artists and venues, and then, you know, again, safety. So, I think larger scale shows maybe, you know, mid to, to late next year.
1: Go ahead and throw out my uh, co-host Michael Gallo in the trade of Washington. I have a questions for you, and then I'll, I'll have a few more in a few minutes.
2: Sure. So you kind of already answered this question um it was going to be who's your favorite race car driver but i gather that's jimmy johnson
3: so yeah it's jimmy johnson you know, has has brought a lot of joy especially you know i think um you know, adam may know a little bit more from like social you know streams and stuff i i don't follow a lot of winners you know so following jimmy and seeing his his career be what it is is you're kind of like the shining star in the teams or, or folks that I follow. Um, but I'd say, you know, all-time drivers, it's Jimmy, it's um, Richard Petty growing up was a, was a huge uh, driver for me. That's kind of That was my gateway into racing, following uh, Richard Petty. Um, and then uh, from there to like Rusty Wallace, you know, and now I think since Jimmy's gone, NASCAR-wise at least, um, you know, I guess like maybe a Chase Elliott, maybe a Bubba Watson. It'll be interesting to see Bubba with a team that has uh, more resources and, uh, you know, kind of like all eyes on his team for, for the year. So it'll be really interesting next-gen racers and see, you know, getting – I feel it's really a sign of, like, getting old, I think, when you have to keep choosing new drivers because the, the ones that you just accept as, you know, you're going to watch them forever and they, they go off into the sunset.
2: And if you could try your hand on any racetrack in the world, which one would it be?
3: Uh, You know, I'd say 100% of the time it would be Daytona. Like, Daytona is the mecca of racing, right? um, When I moved to Florida, that was one of the first places that we had to go and visit and do, like, a track tour and everything. It was, you know, it's coming out of the TV set to you, you know. And, you know, Daytona, I I, I would love – um to, to be able to race on the the Daytona track. It's hollow ground. Um, you know, other tracks. I, I I still love watching Watkins Glen also. Um, you know, and if I have you know, historical tracks, probably Rockingham would would be up there as well.
2: And where has been your favorite place that you've traveled for material for your channel?
3: Sure. Um, outside of new york city and and uh, you know heading back to what you know New York City always to kind of be home we um, went up to Vegas I loved Vegas um, not so much for the gambling but more so for um, the sights and the atmosphere. Um, you we know, went out to see kind of like the neon graveyard out in, in Vegas and we did a tour of Zach Bagan's uh, haunted museum and stuff and New Orleans, I thought, was just phenomenal for um, ambiance and everything, so I really love those places. Any place that's new kind of goes into that bucket, or places that I haven't been before, always my next favorite place.
2: Well, my final question for you this evening, where do you think your next big adventure will be next?
3: Yeah, I'm honestly not sure. I think because of Things being so uncertain with COVID, we're kind of limited to road trips at the moment. Like I'm a little hesitant to get on a plane at this point. So, um, you know, I've kind of thought maybe like a drive, you know, driving tour uh, up the coast to go through theme parks, maybe in the spring. You know, hit some of the, the other parks out there and kind of bounce from state to state for a week or two. So that's, that's kind of what we're, we're thinking about. Of course, Daytona for the 500 was was going to be like the next big thing that we were planning and, and ironically, you know tie into the the show, you know we looked at like tent camping and stuff for the, the 500 week, and then you know it only took uh, me looking up uh, what the the cost was and trying to plan out tickets and everything for them to come back and announce the, the next day that they were going to limit capacity and everything for the race. So I think that kind of all got shoved aside for a little bit.
1: Yeah, was, we're going to cover that in a, in a few moments. We've got the uh, more details about the uh, the changes in in the plan for Daytona. Hopefully, they still have the world before the x 24. As of right now, it seems like they're going to have that, but that'll probably even have a little bit of changes as well. Um, so head up there for that, in the, in the next month, at least that's our plan. Um, you're going to end up going yeah, for we'll that. Probably going see to... you up there. awesome. That's a, yes. That's always a really cool thing. I think that the fact that they're There've been so many changes in the in the rules for INSA. We'll end up with a, a actually a little bit bigger field for the for the 24 4 this year than they had last year. Awesome see that?
3: Yeah, it's just it's that that is really exciting. I mean You know, it's a, it just exciting the fact that I need to get back to the track and see some more racing. You know, because it's kind of that lull period at this point where you know we're just kind of sitting and waiting. Well, it seems
1: like what a, a lot of people are doing this year is a lot of sitting and waiting and and hoping that next year is better than what is right now
3: yep absolutely
1: well hopefully you have a, a great holiday season and uh, and we get to, to see you a few times next year and and situation improves with the general state of the world it can only get better from here
4: yep
3: absolutely agree and the same to you to the both of you and you know happy holidays merry christmas and a lot of good stuff if I don't uh, talk to you, and uh, you know certainly Adam, I'm sure I'll see you out at the the track. Um, you know, come roll next time. We're very much looking forward to getting back out there.
1: And if my if my listeners aren't familiar with your with your channel, can you let us know how to find you on on YouTube and other social media?
3: Sure. So it's a View from the Cheap Seats. Um, it, we're on YouTube. Uh, We did have a a website, and it just hasn't been updated in forever, but YouTube, View from the Cheap Seats, you can look that up on Facebook or on Twitter. Um, And uh, come haunt season, we do a podcast called The Four Hauntsmen. So, you know, you can find us on uh, Apple or uh, Spotify or, or, you know, all, all normal podcast sites.
1: Thank you again for having me on the show tonight, and have a great evening.
3: You as well. Thank you so much for having me. Talk to you guys soon. Thank, you. Thank
1: you. And that was Kyle, host of View from the Cheap Seats on YouTube. You can find him on various social media platforms. But the easiest way to find him is by searching for View from the Cheap Seats on YouTube.com up there in the search bar. Are you a race car driver, crew chief, kit member, track owner? Maybe you're just a huge fan of the sport. Contact either Michael, Nolli Cavallo, or myself to get your spot on the show. all you serve your 15 minutes of fame, and we'd love to hear from you you officially on sale now for the Talladega Super Speedway Spring 2021 NASCAR Weekend, consisting of the, NAS- of the Geico 500 NASCAR Cup Series. This one Sunday, April 25th. NASCAR Extended Series event on Saturday. For limited time only, fans are urged to secure their tickets early, which will provide economic savings for the host of advanced price opportunities for both grandstand seating and camping options. Multi day grandstand seating packages start at just $60 for adults and $10 for kids 12 and younger. And to get information on how to reserve their spots by calling 877-462-3342. That's 877-GO-TO-DEGA or visit www.ldegasuperspeedway.com.
2: The 52nd edition of the GEICO 500 will be the premier series 10th points race of the year. And the winner will secure a spot in the 2021 NASCAR Cup Series Playoffs. Ryan Blaney is the defending champion of the GEICO 500, winning by just seven one-thousandths of a second. Denny Hamlin is the latest Cup Series winner at the 2.66-mile venue, edging Eric Jones by just .08 of a second, .086 of a second. Justin Haley swept both of the Talladega NASCAR Xfinity Series races this year, cementing his place in the NASCAR Xfinity Series playoffs. He eventually made his way to the championship four at Phoenix Raceway. The Xfinity Series has been a staple at the iconic track since 1992 when Ernie Irvin took the checkered flag. Additional information on other aspects of the 2021 Talladega Super Speedway weekend will be forthcoming.
1: Fans can keep up with all the happening at the biggest, baddest racetrack on the planet by following Talladega Speedway, Super Speedway on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Happy to have, have been able to chat with Ernie Urban. the 1992 champion at the Talladega Super Speedway earlier this year. So hopefully, you can check that out. So I'll put a link to that show somewhere in the next few weeks. Our final guest of the evening and final guest of the year is Dakota Dickerson. But before we get into his intro, let's go ahead and take another short break and listen to a selection from Ron Postana and Peter. One we don't play down here at the bottom. Let's go with speedway eighty.
2: This is Shay Holbrook from Larson Motorsports, Jet Dragster Driver, in the IHRA Nitro Jam Drag Racing Series, and you're listening to Thursday Night Thunder on Speedway Digest Radio Network.
1: As I stated this evening, a few months ago, our final guest this evening, and the day of the final guest for 2020 is Dakota.
2: Dakota is 23 years old, and he has been racing for 17 years.
1: After his success in the Formula 4 U.S. Championship, Dakota continued moving up the ladder into the F3 Americas Championship, signing with Global Racing Group. It was staying settled throughout the season, racking up wins and podium finishes, which secured the Team and Drivers Championship. In the middle of the year, Dakota was offered the opportunity to transition into sports cars in the IMSA Prototype pro Challenge category. Running with a new team, MLT Sports, and the team were able to win during their first event together and go on to secure another top-five finish later on in the year. We are now very happy to welcome Dakota back to the program.
5: Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. So, how are you doing this evening? Doing well, doing well. Just uh, sitting in a hotel out in New Orleans. Actually, we're out at NOLA Motorsports Park with uh, VRD and the F4, F3, coaching some young talents coming up through the ranks.
1: First off, uh, 2020 has been a year to remember, and for many, try to forget how uh, this unique racing season has to, to make
5: a to become a better
1: driver going into 2021. Yeah.
5: I mean, tw- like you said, 2020 has been a pretty crazy year with the season starting for us back in January, pre pre COVID. Uh, and then once everything hit kind of hard in March, everything kind of took a break for us. So it's been a weird year. Um One that's actually popped up quite a few different opportunities. Um, getting to drive the TCR car, the Honda Civic Type R with Ryan Eversley and NIMSA, and then being uh, one of four drivers to take part in the HPE GT3 Driver Academy. Um, So it's been really interesting, but it's also made me a better driver just being able to diversify myself, obviously coming up through the Formula Car ranks and then transitioning into prototypes this past year, but then also kind of dipping my feet into the touring car world and then also the GT world. So Definitely had a, a lot of different experience under my belt, something that definitely wasn't planned originally. But, um, you know, with with the year kind of being how it is, it's definitely a very unique opportunity for me.
1: I know if you're like a lot of other sports car drivers, the, uh, your plans for next season are still kind of in flux. But what are your current concrete plans for 2021?
5: Yeah, so we'll be doing the uh, IMSA Prototype Challenge Championship, so the standalone series similar to 2020. Uh, with MLT and the new Lige JS P320, so the the IPC Championship allows you to run either the the current car, which is the uh, the 2015 version, or the updated model of the P320. So we'll be running in the in the newer class, and then also uh, you know have our our sights set on the horizon of running into the uh, WeatherTech Championship, hopefully in some select events in 2021 to get ready for the
1: 2022 season. That leads me right into my next question. With IMSA announcing earlier in the season that they will be integrating the P3 category into some of the events with P2 and DPi, are you planning on entering any of these races? Do you think it will diminish the quality of the PC field overall?
5: So I think for for us, at least the MLP, it's in, in the early part of the year. It's going to be difficult to just make the jump up into uh, into the WeatherTech Championship. Obviously, it's a whole different ball game running with those guys, and it. it it definitely takes a lot both on the driver and the team side of things to do that properly. And, and, you know, speaking with the team, we all have the same goal of winning a championship and, and winning races along the way. So in order to do it properly, I think we just need a little bit more time. So this year, 2021, uh, we'll definitely be looking at some of the races at the, at the end of the year, maybe the Glen petite Lamas is right. You know, we're based basically right at road right, right Atlanta. So doing that track in that race would be fantastic, especially looking on to 2020, trying to do the weather tech full time, getting some experience there. But our primary focus is going to be on prototype challenge. And like you said, obviously having the same car running in two different classes, kind of two different series uh, on the same weekend, I think is definitely going to change the dynamic of the prototype challenge field. Uh, I think you're going to see a lot of new teams going into the weather tech championship. A lot of teams coming over from Europe that have run that car over in Elms and, in other places come into weather tech with some experience on the card and, you know, get going right away. Riley, uh, Riley motorsports. They've obviously committed to a one car effort. I think they're going to be coming out with their driver lineup soon and maybe a multi-car program. So there's a lot of new teams coming into weather tech. I think you'll see a lot of the same teams in IPC running next year. Even some of the guys that, you know, like K2R, for example, I think they just recently came out and said that they're looking at doing either a two- or three-car program in IPC with the potential of doing a few select races. So I think you're going to see a very similar field in IPC next year with a lot of new teams coming into the WeatherTech
1: ranks. you think that the Gauge program will bring more teams into the fold and into the next couple of seasons?
5: For sure. I think um, the platform itself is obviously very attractive for manufacturers, just looking at the consumer market and, you know, the way things are going with the hybrid market in the auto industry. I think it's definitely an incentive for the auto manufacturers. And then on the team side, being able to have a platform that can run across multiple series across the world uh, is, is one very cost effective, but two, it's also very unique because you can share Uh, you know, you can share a lot of the information from one series to another. And even if you have two different crews, two different sets of drivers running the same car, it's all very transferable. So I think you're going to see a a pretty significant bump in the DPI LMDH car counts when that comes, comes out. And obviously I think it'll be interesting to see how that trickle down effect, uh, you know, affects the, the market and the GTD, the GTLM ranks. Um, because obviously a lot of those manufacturers that are going to be playing in the in the LMDH ranks are going to have their foot in with the GTD guys as well. So seeing how it affects the whole market will be very interesting. Um, but I think overall it's definitely a good st- to step in the right direction.
1: The announcement yesterday about the Decom 500 becoming a limited attendance event in 2021. Do you think that IMSA will be making any changes as to how the Rolex 24, as well as the road before the Rolex 24, are handled? I'd be
5: curious to see. I mean, obviously with, with IMSA being a part of NASCAR, NASCAR owns IMSA, I would imagine that uh, mm-hmm. that you would see something similar. I know when COVID was first starting to happen uh, and when they had to cancel a lot of our events, part of the process of allowing us to race again was actually getting a lot of data from the NASCAR event. So NASCAR was one of the mm-hmm. first Racing, you know, one of the first sectors in motorsport to get back to racing, and a lot of the data that NASCAR was collecting from those events was getting passed through to IMSA, and that was kind of how IMSA determined how to operate. That was part of what how IMSA determined to operate their events in in the future. So I would imagine you'd see something similar. Um, I think, you know, for for the Roar and the Twenty Four. It's a little bit of a different dynamic because the weekend Mm -hmm. is stretched so much longer relative to the you know, to Daytona. But I would imagine you're gonna see
1: something similar. Well entry out to my co-host, Michael Melada Capello up in New Freedom Washington, who has a couple questions for you as well.
2: So my first question is what is something you have learned from the sport that has helped navigate you through life outside of it?
5: I think the biggest thing is just being grateful for for every opportunity that comes your way. I mean, I'm I'm a pretty pretty lucky guy to be able to do what I do. Um, it's a very unique sport, and I'm you know very fortunate to be able to live out my dream. and And having that optimistic outlook on life as well has has been really helpful for me. I think racing is a sport that definitely. Uh, it kicks you down and, and can beat you to the ground on a lot of the bad days. But at the end of the day, a bad day in racing is still a, a better day in a lot, uh, a lot of different aspects than any other life that I could have. So having that positive outlook has been you know, very, very critical for my for my day-to-day life as well.
2: And if you were to start your career over again, what's one thing, if anything, you would do differently?
5: I think the biggest thing is is starting my career off in in cars a bit earlier. It's amazing how different the sport is just in a matter of five years and how much it's changed in such a short period of time. But when I started racing cars, my very first uh, professional race, if you want to call it, was was through the Team USA scholarship in in 2015. Uh, That was coming straight out of racing in Skip Barber, and I was 18 at the time. And you see a lot of the guys that are creeping their way into the top ranks of of junior formula and and, uh, into the top ranks of of motor racing in general, whether it be IndyCar, F1, whatever it is. The age has gotten so young that you know some of those guys are 18 by the time they make it big time. So for me, I think making that transition from carts to cars a lot younger would have been something that I enjoyed, and and it's really cool now being kind of having a, a driver coaching role. Uh, as well with velocity racing development and they have an awesome academy program that takes 12, 13 year olds out of go-karts and gets them ready to go racing when they're old enough. And seeing a lot of these young drivers develop some of the skills that I did when I was older and helping them develop those skills is, is really rewarding, but definitely at the same time, I'm super envious of them because I'm like, you know, if I would have just done this, (laughs)
0: you
5: know, something could have changed. But again, kind of going back to your first question, having that positive outlook, you know, still at the end of the day, we're, Won back-to-back championships in F4 and F3. Team USA driver gets a race in IMSA next year. Definitely a very lucky, very lucky man.
2: And so, 2020 has been a journey for everyone. But what's one expected challenge that you proudly overcame this year?
5: I think there's been a lot. Uh, honestly, I mean, 2020, like you said, has been crazy. Um, and and the challenges that I've faced are, are nothing compared to those that have obviously lost loved ones and have gone through a lot of the struggles that we've seen. But, um, you know, it, for, for me personally, I think a lot of it's been on the racing side, you know, having to start a season, you know, get, get ready, get the ball rolling. We were, we were testing at Sebring uh, you know, like two days before they shut that race down and having to do that huge, like mental reset, Mid season is, is it sounds simple, but it's so challenging because you you don't know what the next step is, and then when you kind of dip your toes back into a race weekend, it's it's a completely different experience, not having any fans there and and not really knowing you know what the next race looks like, and um, that's definitely been a huge mental challenge for me this year, and I, I think we've done a, a great job managing that there's been a a lot of small things on the logistical side, just even getting guys into the country. Like the, you know, I I I got very, very lucky this year, having a fantastic co-driver with Dean Baker at Daytona. And unfortunately he couldn't show up to the rest of the events with the, you know, border crossing in Canada. And I got extremely lucky again with another great co-driver with Dominic Cicero Uh, did a fantastic job in the remaining five events. And honestly was probably one of the quickest, bronze drivers, if not one of the quickest drivers in the field. So, you know, managing the hurdles and and overcoming them and, again, trying to just focus forward on on the challenges has been super critical. But, you know, it's been uh, a struggle to say the least, but it's also been exciting to overcome that.
2: And my final question for you this evening, for those of us who can't drive above 55 miles per hour without risking a speeding (laughs) ticket, can you describe – the feeling you get being in control of a precision driving machine that travels at speeds we cannot even begin to imagine.
5: <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, it's um, the fact that I have a hard time describing it is part of the reason why I love it because it's it's an, and it's an experience that's honestly just super super hard to describe. It's very euphoric. Um, it's amazing because when you think about it, it's just a machine that you're bolted into, and at the end of the day, it should be simple, and it it shouldn't it shouldn't be super you know i don't know i i i just feel like when when you're at the limit of the car it's giving you so much feedback it's like communicating with a person which is so interesting to me like when you're traveling at 140 miles an hour around a corner or 180 miles an hour in a straight and you're getting ready to brake the car is talking to you like it would you know like you'd talk to another person it's giving you so much information and so much feedback that when you're truly in sync with the vehicle that you're strapped into it's it's really an amazing experience whether that's through what you see what you feel what you hear what you smell it's like every everything when everything aligns it's such a euphoric experience it's it's nothing like i've ever experienced before which is part of the reason why i've done it since i was six years old for 18 years now since uh, yesterday was my birthday so yeah it's been uh it's an amazing experience. I've, I've def- definitely been fortunate to be along for the ride.
1: Well, I wish you a very happy belated birthday. Hopefully, you uh, you get a an awesome late birthday present by by winning in Daytona next, early next. Year.
5: <laughs> yeah, okay. that would be perfect. That'd be perfect.
1: Yeah. Uh, hopefully, we get a chance to chance to see you there at the roar, or maybe even at the at the Rolex. If not, maybe we can have you back on the show and. And you can talk a little bit about how the experience was there.
5: Absolutely, for sure. Always enjoy being with you guys. So thank you for for the opportunity. And yeah, for sure. Hopefully, get a win at Daytona and, and get some good news for the next episode.
1: There you go. Well, have a happy holiday season, and we look forward to talking to you next year.
5: Awesome. Thank you, guys.
1: Yeah. Once again, that's Dakota Dixon. It's one of the. Well the up and coming drivers in the sports car ranks, he's had a great year and they're gonna have an even better year next year. Go ahead and swing back a little bit further into the program and we now have Tim Spain on the line. Let's go ahead and welcome him to the show and thank him for coming on tonight.
4: Hey there, how are you doing? Adam, thanks. I'm doing good, brother. Thank you. And uh for have for having me on. Uh I apologize for being late. Like I told you earlier, I had this uh, I had this wicked cough. Uh, I don't have the COVID. So, but, uh, yeah, glad to be on. Thank you all for having me on, brother.
1: First off, let's go back to, the, back to time a little bit. In March, you were on your way to Atlanta, Moore Speedway, when the race was postponed during the, due to the pandemic. With that experience in mind, how do you feel that NASCAR handled the, the COVID-19 situation? And, and have they, how do you like the fact they competed in front of empty grandstands for most of the beginning of the season?
4: That's a good question, Adam. Uh, You know, like I mentioned, uh, I had texted you, I think you and Suzanne and I, we were headed to uh, Atlanta Motor Speedway uh, back in the spring, and they had moved that race down because NASCAR sent everything out west, but then the west coast swing, and then they come back here. And uh, like I said, Suzanne and I, we were headed to uh, the Atlanta Motor Speedway. Uh, Good people over there, uh, Jason Bigsby uh a good guy there the the PR guy but, but but we were headed there just to make everything short. Uh we got to the state line there and I didn't fill up with gas so we were gonna stop and fill up with gas and uh I was listening to SiriusXM XM Master radio there on uh on their deal and I was this Lambert Reynolds said that you know we was listening to Lambert Reynolds getting sort of sketchy there and then also I got the email from NASCAR that said that they was going to postpone everything. So that was the first deal there with the COVID experience there, Adam, going to Atlanta, Marks, Speedway.
1: That, that must have been quite the deal, and I, I'm happy that, it, uh, that you didn't get all the way out there and have to turn around and go back home. No, that wouldn't have been much
4: fun. That's right. I, you know, we get lucky. Our hotel room, Suzanne, I told Suzanne, I have to call the hotel, play for me go ahead and cancel everything, and uh, the lady there at the hotel uh, right there in Hampton, Georgia, she was really nice. We canceled the hotel deal, didn't get charged nothing, but uh, that was the first experience of uh, what I call a one hell of a 2020 year, Adam. <laughs>
1: Going into that a little bit more, the the whole world seems to have stopped spinning when the pandemic first gripped the nation, including the production of the Pit Stop radio show. You mentioned all Plans to return to the air in 2021
4: Can you tell us a little bit more about that Yeah Adam uh, I'll go ahead and get it out there uh, There's not been much said I know you and Michaela Y'all know a guy named uh, Ron Devine uh, Former owner of uh, BK Racing He hit mm-hmm. me up uh, back I don't know middle, middle of the summer I think uh, Adam and he, and he And a guy I don't know the guy's name. I, from what I understand, he's the voice of the Cincinnati Reds. They're going to do a, uh, a a podcast deal there, and they wanted Suzanne and I to be their NASCAR podcast, our their number one podcast deal. So uh, we've talked alone, and Ron Devine is he's getting his website together. Like uh, you know, Stephen has updated up mine, but uh, it's going to be a going to be a big deal next year, brother. We're going to come back uh, taking some ass, brother. It's going to be Suzanne and I on the, the Ron Divine and Big Care Racing uh, podcast next year, brother. Be cool.
1: How do you feel about the fact that uh, Kevin Harvick, who was the winningest driver during the regular season, wasn't even able to make the top four by the championship round this year?
4: Well, you know, Adam, uh, Steve and I, Stephen Wilson at com. me and me and him text a lot And uh, Kevin Harvick, to go back to your Question, Kevin Harvick, you know, he uh, He won the most races This year, and He was dominant, but I like The I like the format That uh, NASCAR has put Out there, and it Sort of lets everybody get a chance To You know, be in the Be in the chase Uh Adam, I mean, you know, it's just uh, It's just an awesome Deal, and Unfortunately, you know, Kevin Harvick Won the most races, like I said But then again You've got Chase Elliott You've got Joe Logano, you've got Brad Keselowski, you've got all these Big-name drivers that are sitting there Waiting, chomping at the bit, And I like it that NASCAR Has done it like this, because It's, it's I don't know, Adam. I, don't, I mean, you can probably put it in better perspective than I can. It's like it's like you're jumping at the best waiting to see what's going to happen next.
1: And I think that the I think the fact that the chase is a little dip, bit different animal than the rest of the year, and there's some teams that do a lot better preparing for for their chase than they do for the regular season. I'm pretty sure that that's what the deal with Kevin Hart with the Kevin Harvick a little bit but with chase Chase Elliott definitely Chase Elliott had a great chase this year. And he, he was the guy who was on top for the latter half of the season. And that's why he won the championship.
4: That's right. I definitely agree. And uh, to give a big shout out to uh, Chase Elliott there, uh, the Dawsonville pool hall up there, they rang the bell again. Adam. Yep.
1: I know that, the, that there was some talk earlier in the year about NASCAR being a, having some problems filling up the grandstands before COVID started and uh, They didn't have that problem as much in the in the fall because they they reduced their capacity and such. But do you think that they'll? How do you think that they can improve the sport in order to ensure its survival and success
4: going into the future? Well, that's a good question, Adam. I mean, you know, we're going into 2021 and this COVID-19 stuff. It's just getting worse and worse and worse. And everybody in the sports industry, you know, NASCAR as far as NASCAR. Major League Baseball, uh, NBA, uh, NFL, everybody's trying to grab a hold to how they can handle this situation. But I think NASCAR has been over and beyond what every other sport has done. uh, To talk about that, Uh, NASCAR has uh, the last – I got to go to one race this year, Adam. I got to go to my home truck here at Tobin Super Speedway. And Stephen Wilson's Feed dot com. He uh he uh, flew down and he and I went out there and we had to fill out we got emails from uh NASCAR, we had to fill out all this COVID nineteen stuff, have we been exposed to all this stuff and all that to sort of throw that out there to answer your uh, question. And then when Steve and I go to the track went when we went to the track here at Talladega, we had to go through four checkpoints, and <laughs> I applaud NASCAR for what they're doing. They here at Talladega, they allowed twenty percent capacity on Sunday only, and Stephen and I got to go to Saturday and Sunday. But we went through all these checkpoints, and I don't, I don't that they're doing anything wrong matt uh adam but everything went really really well and i just hope maybe next year we can get back to I mean, it's probably not going to be within the next couple of months but maybe in midsummer uh we can get back to everything going back normal and get you know maybe get our covid-19 vaccines whoever wants to have them but uh It was a very interesting year last year, uh, Adam. Like I said, uh, Stephen went to, uh, I I think he went to Daytona, and he went to Martinsville and a few more, but it was very limited media access. But uh, I did go to one race last year. It was my home track here at Chalabaga, seriously, with my good friend uh, Russell Brown. Uh, PR director there, which he's now PR director for the Southeast Region NASCAR. But uh, it's uh, it's been a weird 2020. Adam,
1: sure has. And, uh, and hopefully next year's better. Hopefully it'll uh, it'll improve. Let's go ahead and, and toss you out there to my co-host in Afraid of Washington, who has a couple questions for you as well.
2: Okay. So if you could drive on any racetrack in the world, which track would you drive on? Or race at, race at I meant, sorry.
4: Well, Michaela, I've uh, <laughs> I've actually went around Tallabiga Super Speedway back in nineteen eighty three, eighty four in a in a dump truck. Uh I was working <laughs> out there at Talabiga and I got I got there to put that dump truck up on the up on the thirty three degree bank in there and uh maybe Russell Bennham's not listening to this but uh the dump truck I got it up to, to eighty three miles an hour. Uh I went I I went into turn one and two with the dump truck at eighty three and come all the way down the the thirty two hundred back thirty two hundred feet back stretch and come into three and four and uh that was probably my most Memorable moment on a racetrack was it? Was it? Was on a dump truck back in nineteen eighty three at Talladega?
2: <laughs> well, that sounds like a really good time. Um, so we know that you're fond of Talladega, but if you could pick any NASCAR race to attend, which one would you attend?
4: Well, Michaela, I've been to uh, I've been Homestead, I've been to Vegas, I've been to. Like I said, Talladega. I've been to Atlanta. I've been to Kentucky. Been to Martinsville. Been to Richmond. And I've never went to a road course. So probably one of my one of my tracks that I would love to go would be uh, Watkins Glen Watkins Glen International International go to a road course because I've I've never seen a road course. Um, and when
2: you're when your show returns back to the air. What is going to be one of the first topics your listeners can expect you to discuss on your show?
4: Well, like I told, uh, Adam, uh, uh, I've been in contact with, uh, Ron Devine former BK racing owner there and, uh, the a cup series started talking to him back in the day and, uh, we're probably going to do some stuff uh, I can't really Unveil everything right now But uh, It will be on the On the Ron Devine BK Racing Radio Network. which it probably won't be BK Racing You know because they uh, they uh lost their deal There in, in the Cup Series But uh, we're going to join Ron Devine And There will be more details coming out Later but I can't I can't throw everything out right now, ma'am, if you understand what I'm
2: saying. Well, my final question for you this evening, I've read a lot of stuff on Honda being thrown around as a manufacturer for NASCAR. Do you think Honda could potentially be the next manufacturer for NASCAR?
4: It's possible. I've never... I've not really heard anything from the uh, manufacturer side of it coming out of NASCAR as far as the NASCAR media but uh everything's up in the air right now. And I would love to see Honda come into the sport. Uh they would bring a lot of uh a lot of media side in there, they would bring a lot of sponsorship in there. It, it it would be nice to have Honda, but then on the other hand A lot of my followers always say that, uh, you know, they call call Daytona the great American race. And a lot of my followers say, well, why do you bring in Toyota and all that? I said, that's the sponsorship side of it. They bring the money into the sport. And that's what NASCAR is looking for, to bring the sponsorship money into the sport. But, I mean, you know, we'll just wait and see, Mikael. Maybe so.
1: I think that would be cool to they in. The more manufacturers, the better. So I know in the past they've actually they had a Daytona Dash series. Where they had the other a, a few other different manufacturers who came into this, into support there, and that was pretty cool to see that. I, hopefully NASCAR has a – I know they have a bunch of, of amazing people that work for them there, and they have a, a, a good plan for the future. So hopefully they have they have something lined up that will draw in the fans and, and make it even better racing than it is right now.
4: Exactly, Adam. I mean, you know, any any time you can bring sponsorship money, any time you can bring a manufacturer into the sport, I know everybody at NASCAR will be really grateful for that, yeah, especially after the 2020 season here coming on and this COVID-19 crap, you know. Gosh, maybe we'll get over it. Maybe we'll get back to full-time racing, brother. I mean, not, not full-time racing, but full-time fans in the stands. Yeah.
1: Hopefully, hopefully that happens sooner rather than later. It looks like a, at least like you said, at least for the first few months of the year, it'll be a, it'll basically be the same as it was for the end of the season. But hopefully by maybe late in the spring or at least early in the summer, they get they have a a better handle on it and we get back to something closer normal.
4: I hope so, Adam. And uh, I'm gonna go ahead and put in for my credentials for for the ATL, and uh, we'll just wait and see how everything happens. I know Stephen Wilson like Gotta bring up my bro, my brother there. He is he probably gonna go to, to Daytona. And mm-hmm. I was gonna try to go to Homestead, which would have been a second race, but I think I'm gonna wait and try to go to the ATL again. So uh, just uh you know, just be on the lookout. We're gonna we're gonna try to hit the track, brother. We're gonna try to bring up gonna try to bring all the news to you and everybody in the media and all the all the fans, brother. We're gonna try to bring it to you.
1: We look forward to look forward to hearing you next year on the uh on Ron Devine show there and hopefully you end up with a with a great deal. I know you probably will and and good luck over the in in getting credentials for Atlanta and have a happy holiday season.
4: Thank you, brother. You say McKelly, you have a good uh holiday. Thanks for having me on, Adam.
2: Thank you.
4: Thank you very much. All right, brother. We'll talk,
1: we'll talk to you later. Once again, that was Tim Despain, the former host of the Stop Radio. He's going to be on the Ron Devine show starting next year. He doesn't have a lot of details to share with us, but he did share us the, the basics there and look forward to hearing a little bit more in the future. Let's go ahead and take another brief break here and another selection from Ron Passana and the Fit Crew it is one of our favorites in the zone. <laughs> This is John
5: Hunter Niemicek from Nimco Motorsports, and you're listening to Thursday Night Thunder on the Speedway Digest Radio Network.
2: February 9th, under the lights, the 2021 Bush Bush Clash at Daytona will mark the first time in history the traditional exhibition-style event will take the track's 14-turn, 3.61-mile road course, which was introduced for the first time ever to NASCAR's top three national series this past August. The 43rd Annual Busch Clash at Daytona, which kicks off Daytona Speed Week, presented by Advent Health, will be held on the same course with the lone addition at a NASCAR 4th turn chicane. As of the Rolex 24 at Daytona and the Daytona 200, North America's premier races for sports cars and motorcycles, respectively.
1: Due to the pandemic, NASCAR adjusted the format by for setting the field the majority of its races in 2020. As such, the eligibility for next season's Bush Clash at Daytona, long been tied to Bush Pole Award wins in the previous season, will have a new look. The eligibility requirements for the 2021 edition are 2020 Bush Pole Award winners, past Bush Clash winners who competed full-time in 2020, Daytona 500 champions who competed full-time in 2020, former Daytona 500 Bush Pole Award winners who competed full-time in 2020, 2020 NASCAR Cup Series playoff drivers, 2020 NASCAR Cup Series race winners, and 2020 NASCAR Cup Series stage winners.
2: Contrast to the tightly packed competition on the Speedway's famed two-and-a-half-mile high-banked tri-oval, the reimagined Bush Clash was held for the first time at Daytona in 1979. We utilize approximately three-quarters of the tri-oval along with the challenging infield portion of the road course that translates into 14 turns instead of the usual
1: four. The 24 driver sales will compete in the 21-vote clash include Eric Alamarola, Ryan Blaney, Alex Bowman, Lynn Foyer, Kyle Bush, William Byron, Cole Custer, Matt DeBandetto, Austin Dillon, Ty Dillon, Chase Elliott, Denny Hamlin, Devin Harvick, Jimmy Johnson, I'm pretty sure it won't be there, Jones, Matt Kenseth, Brad Keselowski, Joey Logano, Brian Newman, Tyler Reddick, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., and Martin Truex Jr.,
2: Tickets for the Bush Clash, as well as the 63rd Annual Daytona 500 on Sunday, February 14th, in which Denny Hamlin goes for a record third straight triumph in the Great American Race, can be purchased online at www.daytona500.com or by calling one 800 pitshop Fans also have the opportunity to purchase tickets and multi-day packages with a fresh look for Speed Weeks presented by Advent Health. On Tuesday, February 9th, you got the 43rd Annual Bush Clash at Daytona, which is on the Daytona Road Course Under the Light. Wednesday, February 10th, flying presented by Kroger. Thursday, February 11th, it's the dual at Daytona qualifying races. Friday, February 12th, it's the next ERA Energy 250 NASCAR Camping World Truck Series race. On Saturday, February 13th, it's the NASCAR Racing Experience. 300 with the NASCAR Xfinity Series and Lucas Oil 200 driven by General Tire, the Arca Menards doubleheader, and on Sunday, February 14th, the Daytona 500, the Great American Race. Fans can stay connected with Daytona International Speedway on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram for the latest speedway news throughout the season.
1: The 63rd annual Daytona 500 will play host to a limited number of fans, but the Great American Race will as it has since 1959. Continuing the tradition of the biggest event in all sports, delivering pageantry, excitement, and drama like nowhere else in the world.
2: The reduced venue capacity for the 2021 NASCAR Cup Series opener set for Sunday, February 14th, as well as all the events which are a part of the Daytona Speed Week presented by Advent Health, which is February 9th through the 14th, is due to the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic and is in accordance with the enhanced safety protocols, and procedures to provide a safe environment for guests, NASCAR competitors, employees, and the local community. As a result of the seating capacity limitations, the Speedway will work to accommodate guests who have already purchased tickets to the 2021 Daytona 500. Seeing between groups who will be in attendance, many fans will be reseated in new locations. The reseating process is expected to be complete by early January.
1: All guests will be screened before entering the facility and will be required to wear face coverings while maintaining six feet social distancing throughout their visit. Information about your visit to your national speedway, including all ticket options and safety protocols, it can be found by visiting the slash updates or calling one 800 Shop. Tickets for the remaining speedway events and limited number of premium and extended-stay camping packages are still available. Fans wishing to attend are encouraged to make their plans early and secure their seats or camping experiences now.
2: Excluding the Daytona 500, Children 12 and under are three in the 100-level seating and $10 in all other reserved seating. In addition to the Daytona 500, the rest of the Fresh Look on Track Speed Week's action includes Tuesday, February 9th. It's the 43rd. Wait, didn't we just go through this?
1: We did. We don't have to repeat it again. Just. Be sure to check the check the website for information on on speedweeks that take place on Tuesday, February 9th, and conclude on Sunday, February 14th, with the Daytona 500. Once again, if you want more information, you go to Daytona National Speedways social media or their website. There can be found easily on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram for latest news and information. 20 years after he clinched the NASCAR Sprint Cup Series Championship, Bobby Labonte took a virtual look back at his career with some of his biggest fans and members of the NASCAR Hall of Fame. At the same time, he previewed what 2021 will look like when he gets back on the track. The Hall of Fame invited members to join Labonte and Executive Director Winston Kelly for a video chat. We started with a video montage of Labonte's career and historic wins. It was a fitting end to an unusual NASCAR season, which endured delays, empty grandstands, and unprecedented safety measures. Labonte talked about how he's looking forward to racing again next year.
2: As Kelly guided fans through a look back at Labonte's career over the last several decades, they discussed what racing meant to the Labonte family and Bobby Labonte's induction into the Hall of Fame earlier this year. Labonte is the first driver to have won both the NASCAR Cup Championship and the Busch Series Championship in both series, current touring form. He also won the IROC title in 2001. Labonte won four races in 2000, the year he took the Cup Championship, the early season race at Rockingham, the Brickyard 400 at Indianapolis, the Southern 500 at Darlington, and the fall race at Charlotte. He led the point standings for 25 weeks straight after taking over at California and never relinquished it on the way to winning the Winston Cup Championship, finishing ahead of Dale Earnhardt by 265 points and completing all but nine of the 10,167 laps that season, with four wins, 19 top-five finishes, and 24 top-10 finishes, with three poles.
1: Be sure to look up our interview, our recent interview with Bobby Labonte was on the show about, about a month ago. But you can check that out at speedway at theblogtalkradio.com/speedwaydigestradio. Uh, it's one of the one of the last several shows. It is listed in the description. Be sure to check it out. They're back. In season Naps and Strip Ganassi Racing, together this time with Cadillac Racing, is set to return to the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship in 2021. It figures to be a potent partnership between them, CGR, and Cadillac. Counted as collective nine IMSA championships and more than 75 IMSA wins, including a dozen overall and class victories in the Rolex 24 at Daytona.
2: It's not as if CGR wanted to watch IMSA from afar this season. It's just that Ford brought the pro- pro- proverbial curtain down on its Ford GT program and a partnership with CGR that produced a Baker's Dozen of WeatherTech Championship GT Le Mans class wins, not to mention an historic class win in the 2006 of Le Mans at the conclusion of the 2019 season. With no clear path forward, CGR opted to sit out the past season with an eye on 2021 and beyond the opportunity to return to their roots competing for overall wins and they did Tona Prototype International class was certainly attractive all the more so doing it in collaboration with Cadillac the partnership with Cadillac is in keeping with CGR's modus operandi of teaming with different indeed rival manufacturers across multiple racing platforms Next year, CGR will defend its 13th IndyCar Championship using Honda engines, field a pair of Chevrolet Camaros in the NASCAR Cup Series, and, of course, campaign a Cadillac DPI in the WeatherTech Championship.
1: I didn't give you any hard racer names to come out this time, but I did put a Latin phrase in the last paragraph. (laughs) There you go. It's a great that, along with the Wayland Engineering, Action Express Racing, and JDC Miller Motorsports team. We'll see the CGR team with Cadillac preparing for the upcoming 2021 WeatherTech Championship. And to be sure, CGR is gunning to win races and championships frequently over the next couple of years. With the new LMH program coming online in 2023, Kanasi also has his eyes on the future. Case in point, in the upcoming year, CGR will also enter the brave new world of Extreme E, the ground-based and race series that will see electric SUVs competing in extreme environments around the world, which have already been affected by climate and environmental issues five race schedule is designed to highlight the impact of climate change and human appearance in some of the world's most remote locations and to promote the adoption of electric vehicles to help preserve the environment and protect the planet.
2: With events scheduled for far-flung corners of the world, including Greenland, Senegal, and Nepal, Extreme E is sure to expand CGR's international reputation. As well, Ganassi hopes the return to sports car racing will eventually take his team back to a more Conventional international locale.
1: locale. That's it. Well, this is almost time to end our, our season here on Speedway Digest Thursday Night Thunder. Once again, we'd like to thank you very much for your support over the past five and a half years and look forward to hearing to seeing you again next season. As I stated, we're going to be back sometime in early to mid February. The final date's not yet to be determined, neither has the the website we're going to be back on, but I will keep you informed on the Speedway Digest Thursday Night Thunder Facebook page, as well as other social media. Be sure to check out past episodes of Thursday Night Thunder as well as the other shows on the Speedway Digest Radio Network at blogtalkradiocom slash speedwaydigestradio. You can also check out the show on Facebook by searching for Speedway Digest Thursday Night Thunder in the search bar. I also invite you to read the articles covering all aspects of sports at speedwaydigest.com. I've had a, a lot of this season, uh, especially since May, I think is when I really started to slow down, to work on on articles here for, for the racing news, as well as the Speedway news, and a little bit of NASCAR news here and there, as well as some of the uh, some of the e-racing news, which you can't get do very easily from the SpeedwayDigress.com page, but you can if you're looking for it, um, so be sure to check that out. Um, recently, we've had a lot of, uh, of awesome interviews we've been doing for the uh, Revved Up with Waldorf series. I do have several more of those to go out and in the off season. So be sure to check those. There is a little bit of racing this weekend. Uh, I believe Formula One is still competing this weekend. I think they actually have two more races left this season um, because they had that huge due to COVID-19. Uh, Lewis Hamilton will not be competing this, this weekend because he did have a positive COVID-19 test. So we do wish the, uh, the champion there of Formula One a speedy recovery and hope that he'll he will feel better by the time of the last race, even though it probably won't be, and he'll probably end up just returning next year in 2021. So that should be good. Um, There are a lot of races going on in the next few weeks. Um, There's always something, but there's nothing really going on until next spring, which is going to have a little bit of a season break, and hopefully you have a great season in addition, you, if you're a fan of South Florida and who isn't, be sure to check out the latest news and information. about our slice of paradise at my site, for Plum's Fantastic Find. Be found on Facebook, Twitter. Easiest place to find on Twitter is at D B Happening that did replace most of the work I did do at Company um, Happening. And by heading to Fabor Plum's Fantastic Finds, uh, Thank you for
2: listening, and we look forward to seeing you again next year in the Thunderdome as we discuss the major issues in the world of modern auto racing.
1: Have a happy holiday season and we'll see you next year.